Can we just give God some praise again? I told the team this morning that these are the days that we live for. This is what we are here for as a church. And if, if you had any doubt, if you came in with any doubt this morning that God is still on the throne, that Jesus is still working it out, even if he hasn't worked out your particular situation, what we just witnessed is that Jesus is still on the throne, that he's still changing lives, that he's still king of the world. Can we just give God some praise? Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, come on, don't stop now. Is he still on the throne? Come on. Is he still worthy? Come on, stand on your feet. Come on, give God some praise. He's still on the throne. Come on. He's still worthy. God, we thank you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for transformation. God, we thank you for changed lives. God, we thank you that even though sometimes it feels like things are going in the wrong direction, God, we thank you for, today's like, for days like today where we can witness that, Jesus, you are still on the throne, that you are still working, that you are still active, that you are still saving souls. God, we thank you that while there may have been times in our own individual lives that we have abandoned you, God, we thank you for the witness of today that you have never abandoned us, that you love us so much, God, that you would rather give up your son than to give up on us. And so, God, we thank you so much for changed lives, for those two young people who have been an example for us of what it means to follow you. God, we thank you, and we pray now that as we get into your word, God, that you would help us to open up our hearts and our minds and to be receptive to whatever it is that you have to share with us. Help us to leave here better than before and closer to you than when we came through the door. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we just give God some praise again? I love baptisms. If you are new to us or if you're a guest here, you maybe you came to watch the baptisms. My name is Lamar. I'm the lead pastor here amongst so many uh, wonderful pastors, Jamie and Jamie and Paul and our elders. On behalf of them, I want to say welcome to Tri-Cities Church. We uh, understand there are plenty awesome places for you to worship. We think we're one of the best, and so we're glad that you chose to join us. I want to ask you to do me a favor, because um, we are packing here. this family Sunday. Isn't it good to just worship all together? Yeah. And so do me a favor. If anyone does come in who needs a seat, I'm going to ask you. I know you got here early because you want your seat. <laughs> but if anyone comes in, um, just try to scoot in and make some room for them this morning. If you are a guest, I want to just ask you to do something for me. There's something in front of you called a connection card. If you'll grab one of those and fill it out uh, and just let us know a little bit about yourself. I promise we're not going to show up at your house or send you anything uh, in the mail. We just want to know a little bit more about you. And then if you fill that out, if it's your first, second, maybe third time, or if you've been with us and never filled it out, fill that out. And then on your way after the service, in the back where it says next steps, you can receive a free gift from us just to show you that we appreciate you for joining us this morning. If this is your first time or you haven't been with us, we are in week four of a series called Family Circus. And Jamie, uh, Jamie talked about it a little bit before baptism. I can't give you all of the content that we've talked about, so I'm going to ask you to do this. If you have a smartphone, you can pull it out right now. No usher with a white glove is going to come and take your phone, I promise you. 
You can pull out your smartphone right now, go to your app store, search TRI-Cities, download our mobile app. It is completely free. You can listen to all the messages in this series. There's a Bible reading plan. There's all sorts of other cool tools for you to use for your spiritual growth and to share with your family and friends. And um, as always, if you're here, you're on social media, check in, let your family and friends know that you're here. And as always, for this series, if you have any pictures or notes and you put it on social media, hashtag it TCC Family Circus, TCC Family Circus, so we can get, gather those notes and those pictures. So we are in week four uh, of a series. I want you to go back and listen to all those messages. I'll kind of give you a little bit of the context so that you understand that the reason why we call this series Family Circus is because, let's be honest, family can be a circus. And whether or not we want to admit it out loud, all of us know that our families can be a circus. It can be the greatest show on earth, but it can also be the greatest struggle on earth. Come on now, can I get a what, what? Everybody knows what I'm talking about. And so on week one, we said that uh, part of the reason why is because everybody wants to be the ringmaster. And there's three different rings and three different wrongs that happen in a family. Go back and listen to that. And so we talked about all sorts of interesting topics. Last week, we talked to our singles. Go back and check that out. Parents, if you have kids who are entering into teenage years and are going to be dating soon, make sure you check that out. But today, as we get ready to kind of wrap up the series between this week uh, and next week, and then I have a surprise for you next week. But I want to talk a little bit uh, this morning about a topic that is going to have to come up in the life of your family, in the life of my family, in the life of a church family. Anytime you have any relationship with anybody in your life, we talked about this in week one, there's going to be some conflict. So let's talk about the fact that in family, there's going to have to be some forgiveness. And so I titled this uh, this message, Juggling Justice, because you know me, I've been sort of looking at the circus and studying the circus. And here's what I realized that uh, in our family, there's something that we have to do all the time, whether we're parents, whether we're, no matter what your role is in the family, we always have this sense that we're trying to juggle justice, like what is right and who's wrong and how do we make up and how do we know that even though we're going to have conflict, there's going to be some things that we're going to have to learn how to get over. We're going to have to learn how to forgive one another. Here's an interesting fact, and I don't know if you knew this. When I looked up juggling and I wanted to learn, okay, how do you learn how to juggle? I don't know if you knew this, but in the circus, have you ever seen this? They have these people who not only juggle balls, that's usually the thing, or sometimes you'll see them juggling bowling pins. But I didn't realize that when you see those guys putting those plates on top of those sticks and spinning them, that's also considered juggling. Did you know that? And what I realized is that's a perfect example of what it's like in family. Come on, let's be honest, because all of us have so much stuff on our plate and we're bumping into one another. We're trying to figure this thing out and everybody's trying to figure out how to do family. And remember, we said that family is whoever family is to you, whether it's your nuclear family, your adopted family. There's foster families, there's single parents, there's all different sorts of families. Whatever that looks like for you, all of us have multiple plates spinning. And here's the reality. At some point, I hate to tell you this, one of those plates is going to drop. Okay, y'all too holy. I'm going to come over here. (laughs) One of those plates are going to drop, and watch this, and something's going to get broken that might need to be repaired. And that's family, isn't it? Come on now. Right now, you're probably thinking about that one person that you're thinking, oh, shoot, he's talking about forgiveness. Now I got to call on such and such, and now I got to make up with somebody because... 
All of us at any point in our life in time when it comes to family, we're spending so many plates, we're trying to juggle so many things that something falls, something breaks. And rather than allow it to stay broken, we've got to learn how to make sure that we practice forgiveness. See, we kind of hear this story uh, in Genesis chapter 25 and 27. So I want to just kind of give you some context before I get all the way down to really the meat of what I want to talk about today, because there's a story in Genesis of the first family, and we talked about them uh, a few weeks ago with Cain and Abel, but there's this story as the, the family continues to grow that there's some conflict uh, between brothers and there's some situation that has to be dealt with. And before I get to the end, I want to just sort of set this up. So some of you, you grew up in church, you know this. If you didn't grow up in church, that's cool. We're glad you're here. But for those of us who know the story of Jacob and Esau, we know that they were twin brothers and there was sort of some conflict that happened in their life pretty much for their entire life until towards the end where they finally made up. And so you can see right there in the Bible, there's some issues. So let me paint the picture for you because Genesis chapter 25 and 27 record a painful moment in the family history of Esau. See, Jacob, you remember Jacob, his name literally means hustler. It means supplanter. It means trickster. Come on now. Jacob was so slick that when his brother was born before him, it says that when he came out, he was grabbing his brother's heel because he's always trying to get up. Anybody in there got somebody in your family like that? Don't raise your hand because I know they might be sitting next to you. Anybody got somebody like that in their family who's always trying to get ahead of everybody else? Like if you graduate, they got to graduate with a better GPA. If you buy a car, they got to get a better car. If you do something, Jacob was kind of that guy where he was a hustler. He was a trickster. He was always trying to get one up on his brother. And you see in Genesis chapter 25 through 27, there's a painful moment because you remember this story if you grew up in Sunday school like me. Jacob ends up tricking his brother for his birthright. You remember that? Esau goes out. It says that Esau loved to hunt and fish. And Esau was an outdoorsman. And he came in from hunting one day. And Jacob was whipping up some stew. And then uh, Esau comes in. And he was so famished and so hungry that he asked Jacob. He says, look, man, I'm so hungry. Give me a bowl of that stew. Give me some of that soup. And Jacob says, um, nah, man, I, I don't know if I want to, you know, because you know how we are as family. Like, I, I made this myself. You should get your, your own food. You know how it is when your spouse wants some of your fries and you ask them. Come on now. You ask them, do you want anything? No, I don't want anything. I'm cool. And then when you get your plate, they're trying to reach over into your plate. Come on now. I just delivered three people right there. I just set three people free because you know that there's somebody in your family that always does that, don't want nothing. And Esau showed up and says, let me get some of that stew. And he says, look, man, I'm so hungry, I will, I will give you my birthright. I will, I will sell you my birthright if you give me this soon. Jacob says, you sure you want to do that, bro? He said, yeah, that's how hungry I am. Can I just parenthetically pause? Never let yourself get so hungry that you sell out your future. And Esau says, no, I'm willing to give up my birthright. Now, for many of us, that doesn't mean a whole lot because we sort of kind of learn that as we grew up in Sunday school, if you grew up in Sunday school or in church. But I want to just break it down with you because I want you to see that giving up his birthright was a big deal. There were three things that encompassed the birthright. I want to make my case because when we get to this thing called forgiveness, you got to see what he's going to have to let go. Three things that make up the birthright. Number one, the oldest child in those days would receive, watch this, a double portion of all the father's possessions. 
That was the first part of the birthright. And so if you were the oldest child, when your father passed away, you would receive double what all your other siblings get of all your father's possessions, land, money, cattle, whatever it is that your daddy had, you get a double portion of that. And so when you're the firstborn, that's part of the birthright. Here's the second thing as part of the birthright. You receive prominent position in the family. So not only did you get stuff, but you got some significance. When your father died, if you were the oldest, not only did you get half of his stuff, you got prominent position and significance in the family. When your dad died, if you were the oldest, you meant, it meant you were now somebody. That, that, that everybody now knows your name, that you can walk around with a little bit of juice. You, you, you are now the head of the family. You got that. But also, here's a third thing that encompassed the birthright. It was, watch this, proximity to the father. Not, not the earthly father, but for some reason, they made it, they felt like when you were the firstborn, when your father died, you got closer proximity to God. In other words, you had some spiritual authority in your family. So, so now you know that this is a big deal. He, he, he's, he's so hungry that he's willing to give up his future stuff, uh, his future life of significance and influence, and his spiritual authority. And Jacob, because Jacob knows exactly what it is that Esau is willing to give up, Jacob gladly gives him the bowl of soup, and Esau goes off, and Jacob gets his birthright. But that's not all. See, see this was a history of wrongdoing to Esau. Because if you jump over to chapter 27, it says that Jacob, when he was getting ready, uh, his father was getting ready to die with the help of his mother, tricked his father into thinking that he was his older brother. You remember that because it says, the Bible says that Esau was sort of hairy. He had hairy arms and he was an outdoorsman and and, and Rebekah helped Jacob trick Isaac into thinking he was Esau. What happened in that, Pastor? Well, when the father was getting ready to die, he would ask for his children to be brought in, and then he would lay his hands on his children and pronounce a blessing over them. And so Rebekah helped Jacob to trick. Let me just pause right there. Isn't it something when your family's the one who taught you how to be slick? Okay, some of y'all just missed what I said, because you know you got some people right now in your family. It's your grandma that told you how to hustle. It was your daddy that was the one that told you how to be slick. Come on now. You got some uncles that used to take you to the side and teach you how to run numbers. Come on now. Some of y'all acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. Ain't it a trip when the reason why you got habits and hangups now is because your family was the one who taught you how to be slick? Rebecca, his own mom said, come in here, son. I'm going to make sure that you get this blessing from your dad. And she put some fur on him. And then Jacob walked up to Isaac and Isaac was getting ready to bless his sons, and he grabbed Jacob by the arm and thought it was Esau and pronounced the blessing over him. Okay, so now you feel it, right? Because not only did he, not only did he give up his birthright, but Jacob also stole the blessing from the father. Okay, anybody here had a family member that got you twice? See, y'all real quiet, but you know what I'm talking about where you got me once and I trusted you. And then all of a sudden, it seems like you just keep getting over on me. I'm trying to, come on now, you know what I'm talking about, parents, where you trusted your child, and they messed up, and you said, I forgive you, and then they did it again. Come on now, husband, wife. You had a moment where your spouse did something again after the first time. Come on, some of y'all looking at me like you don't have any family that's ever got you twice. You know what Esau's problem was? Is It wasn't that his brother got him once. It's his brother, his own family, his own flesh and blood got him twice. And isn't some of the hardest stuff to get over? Okay, lean in now. Look at your pastor. Isn't some of the hardest hurt to get over hurt that comes from family? 
Come on now, some people can say stuff to you and it won't mean nothing to you. And, and it won't, come on now, you have people at your job and they just look and you just brush the dirt off your shoulder. But isn't this something when the person who shares the same blood of you, that shares the, shares the same address, that shares the same mother and father, that shares the same house, that shares the same church, and all of a sudden it seems like they keep getting over on you. That's why you got to understand how powerful this story is because Esau was in a place where he had not just had something stolen from him once. He had his own family member steal something from him twice. Okay, some of you right now, you're thinking about that moment or that thing or that person back then. And, and can I just be honest with you? Maybe some of those people that you're thinking about are not even on this side of heaven anymore. And you still got some stuff that triggers you every time you get into something that feels eerily similar. Because doesn't family hurt hurt like no other hurt? And Jacob was hurting because, one, his brother stole his birthright, his, his significance, his prominence, his, his stuff. And then before he could get to his father's bedside, before his father died, Jacob rushes in and tricks his father into pronouncing a blessing on him. And so now Esau feels hurt. Okay, so now let's get into the meat of the text. Because Genesis 27 and 34, after that happens, then Esau runs in realizing that he is late and, and he realizes that, that Jacob got there before him and, and perhaps something went down that he didn't want to have happen. He's already feeling some kind of way about his relationship with his brother and he goes in and Isaac tells Esau, I'm sorry, son, but your brother tricked me. I didn't, I didn't know that it wasn't you and he got here before you and I already pronounced the blessing. Some of y'all looking like you don't know what that is because not only was the birthright significant, but it was important to have the blessing of your father. And so it was Esau who was supposed to get the blessing as a firstborn. And so not only did he take one loss, but he took two hits. Anybody ever just take two hits? Like it just comes in twos and threes, doesn't it? That's just one and two and three and, and mom's tripping and children's tripping and grandma's tripping and everybody's tripping. It just seemed like you can't catch a break. And all of a sudden Esau comes in and Isaac says, I'm I'm sorry, son. He got you again. And here's what Esau says. Verse 37, chapter 20, verse 34, chapter 27. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me, too, he begged. Then he goes on to say, don't you have any more blessings to give out? Come on, now, have you ever had a situation in family where it feels like you get all the leftovers? Come on now, you know what I'm talking about. You get the scraps where it seems like everything is going well for everybody else in your family, in your church family, on the job. And, and all you want is God to, to bless you too. All you want is the blessing of the Father. And Esau says, don't you have any more blessings left? I've already been hurt twice. What, what about me, Dad? Bless me too. Okay, here's the first thing. Now we're going to start talking about forgiveness. Can I just say this? Because some of you, like me, grew up in a culture and a society that told you to suck it up, to cry a river, build a bridge, and get over Anybody like that? Just, but can I just tell you something? If you're going to learn how to forgive when your family does you wrong, here's the first thing you got to do. The first step to forgiveness is to give yourself, listen to me, permission to feel the pain of what you lost. 
I don't care. Anybody who tries to tell you, cry me a river, build a bridge, and get over it. Esau, before he could move in the direction of learning how to forgive his brother, come on now, he had to deal with the reality that this hurts. I know what they told you. Don't cry. It's okay. Just keep moving. Just don't act like anything. There's the times and there's appropriate times where you need to act like you got it together. There's some times that are appropriate where you need to be strong. But I can tell you something. You cannot learn how to forgive until you get real. Esau let out, the text says, a loud and bitter cry. Can I just tell you, there's some stuff, there's some people under the sound of my voice that you still need to cry about. Yeah, I know what happened in 89. I know you told yourself that you're over. I know what happened back in, in 97, and I know that you, you told yourself that you were okay, and you told yourself that you got over it, but every time you get around them, no, you talk to them, and you text them every now and then, but come on, let's be honest. There's still that thing between you and them that you really quite haven't worked out. Anybody had a family like mine where somebody would do dirt, and we show up at Thanksgiving, and everybody act like nothing happened? Okay, I'm talking good this morning. I wish I was down there with y'all so I could listen to me. <laughs> you ever had that happen where everybody in the room knows this happened and nobody will say anything? And Esau had to first deal with the fact that there's some family hurt that's going on. And it says that he let out a loud and bitter cry. Father, I'm hurting. Can I just ask you this? When is the last time you cried out to God and said, that hurt? Before you even go to them, before you even go to her, before you even go to them or whoever in your family hurts your feelings and, and disappointed you, when is the last time that you got real with God and laid down on your face and said, God, that really hurt? I know I'm trying to act like I got it together. I know I'm trying to act like that didn't hurt. I know I'm trying to act like what she said didn't hurt me. And I know I have to put on a brave face. But come on now, it's just me and you, God, one-on-one -on -one in my closet, just me and you. Can I just be real with you, God? That hurt. I wasn't expecting that to happen. And Esau went before his father and said, I'm hurting. This seems to happen to me all over and over and over again, this is why I love that Jesus says that there's this actual formula that needs to happen when we get ready to forgive. This is what Jesus says in Mark chapter 11, verses 23 through 25. If you know this story, Jesus is walking along with his disciples and he sees a fig tree and it looks like it's the season. Uh, and Mark says it wasn't the season for figs. But because the fig tree has started to blossom, there's two sets of figs that will grow, the little figs that grow under the tree and then the big ones that grow outside of the tree. And the tree had appeared that it was a season for the little figs. And so Jesus went up to it. He reached under there. There was nothing there. And he cursed the tree. You remember the story? And on their way back, Peter says, man, Jesus, you told that tree because the tree just withered up and died. Look what you did, Jesus. You know how you are. You told them. And then Jesus says this. This is so interesting. I don't know if you ever caught this. He says it's about the tree. He says, I tell you the truth. Mark 11, 23 through 25. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, we know this part. You can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. And that's usually where we stop. Because most of us know that scripture. I can speak to mountains. I can. But did you catch what Jesus says after that? He says, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against 
so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Jesus says, you're so bad, you got faith that can move mountains. But here's the problem. You know why your prayers are not working? Because you got unforgiveness. You catch that? He says, he says, when you believe in me, you have the type of faith. I tell people this all the time. If, if you realize like, how much faith it really takes to put your, your life in God's hands, to give your heart to Jesus, you realize that that's the most amount of faith that it will ever take you to do anything that God ever asked you to do. Like, you don't need additional faith. Once you say, for real, Jesus, here's my heart, you have it. That is the most faith it will ever take you to do anything that God ever will ask you to do for the rest of your life. That's why he says, you're so bad that when you give your life to me, you've got the kind of faith that will move mountains. Here's the problem. Before you pray, you better learn how to forgive. He says, here's the problem. Did you notice that Jesus says, you can say to this mountain, Okay, some of y'all missed it, so let me just drop it on you. You can't move what you won't mention. That's why it was so important that Esau finally came to the conclusion that, you know what, this actually does hurt. This actually did happen. That person actually did that. This actually has me broken. He let out a loud and bitter cry, and Jesus says, you cannot move what you will not mention says, you, you want to learn how to forgive? First of all, we got to get real. There's some stuff that, that you have to understand that I have to understand. Let me just say this to you. The path to freedom goes directly through your pain. Okay, so let me just help you out because there's some stuff that happens in this text. Because Esau then has to move from being someone who's been tricked twice to to actually getting real. He has to actually move from being a victim to a victor. Can I just tell you this? Forgiveness is learning how to find your voice. You want to know one of the first signs? We, we all family in here, right? Can I just get real with you? You want to know one of the first signs of abuse? Is when somebody takes your voice. And some of us right now, somebody has done something to us that we haven't been able to forgive. And I promise you, they're over there not even thinking about what they did to you, sleeping good, eating good, living good. And you're up at night crying tears about stuff that somebody did to you who's not even thinking about you. And they have your voice. Watch this. Because you won't even talk about it. Do you catch that? Esau finally had to come to terms with what happened. And some of us, can I just be your counselor this morning? Can I put on my Dr. L hat? You know I'm official, right? <laughs> can I put on my doctor hat? You can't move what you won't mention. You can't get over it until you're willing to talk about it. Can I just tell you, we have a counselor in this building. Go on our website, make an appointment. But there's some stuff that some of us are dealing with when it comes to family that we won't even talk about. And can I just tell you, until you're willing to talk about it, they still got you. It says Esau let out a loud and bitter cry. Some of that is about just coming to terms with what I lost. Can I just say this to you? Don't allow what you've lost to limit your life. I don't care how long it's been. At some point, we got to learn how to get over it. First step is saying, this actually happened. 
Here, here's one of the problems that we run into when it comes to forgiveness. Because if you read the rest of the text, I didn't read it. Read it when you go home in, in Genesis chapter 27. Isaac tells Esau, as he's asking him, do you have anything else for me? Do you have any other blessings for me? And, and Isaac tells him, I can't give you back what you lost. He says, I'm sorry. You know how it goes. Once I bless him, he has a blessing. I can't give you your birthright back. I can't give you your time back. I can't give you that back. I can't, you know what it is, whatever that is for you that they took from you. I can't give you that back. You know why that's important to realize that there's some stuff that you're just not going to get back. Why is that important? Because most of us, when it comes to forgiveness, the reason why we can't forgive is because we live in reverse. Because we think that getting it back is going to make me feel better. If I can just get back what he stole from me, if I just get back what they took from me, I can just get back my time. But, but Isaac tells Esau, there's some stuff that you can't get back. I know you don't want to hear that, but I just got to be real with you this morning. There's some stuff that happened to you, you cannot reverse it. Why is that important? Because when you live in reverse, watch me, when you live in reverse, reversing leads to revenge instead of reconciliation. The longer I live, because think about it. When I live in reverse, I'm trying to get it back, or here's the other option, I'm trying to get them back. Can I just tell you the problem with that? I can never actually get it back. That's why Isaac tells him, I can't give it back to you. There's something I can give you, but I can't give it back to you. Reversing always leads to revenge instead of reconciliation. See, here's what most of us don't understand about revenge. Some of us are living in that space right now. We don't even know that we're about revenge. Here's why you got to understand this. Revenge is not just about causing pain. It's about collecting payment. Here's the problem. You've heard me say this before. Let me give you this verse, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. You know the rest of it. Here's what I want to tell you. When it comes to family, instead of living in reverse, thinking that you can get it back or get them back, can I just make an announcement? The reason why that never works is because there's only one person who's qualified to pay for sins. And the reason why I can't get to forgiveness because I'm trying to get it back, or I'm trying to get them back, I'm trying to make them pay, or I'm trying to get payment for something. Can I just tell you, as long as you expect them to pay for their sins against you, you will always get a check back that says insufficient funds. Because there's only one person who is qualified to pay for sins. And if you want to learn how to forgive, you've got to learn to stop letting people try to pay you back for their sins and lean on the only person who's ever been qualified to pay for sins, and his name is Jesus. And if you want to be free, you got to depend on the fact that Jesus paid for that sin. Yeah, even the one committed against you. See, we think about forgiveness of sins when it comes to my sins. You know how we are. Jesus forgives sins, but we don't think about the sins that people do to us. Until we get to the place where we stop trying to make people pay for what they've done for us, we will never. That's why Isaac says, I can't give this back to you. Okay, so here, here's the end of it, and then we'll get ready to roll out. Because after all of that conversation, read it when you get home, Genesis chapter 27. Here's what Esau says. I'm going to go back to 38 and read through 40. Esau pleaded. But do you have only one blessing? 
Oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept. Finally, his father Isaac said to him, you will live away from the richness of the earth and from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. In other words, I can undo what happened. But here's what I can bless you with. Check this out. But when you decide, that's good right there, to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. Okay, this is a good point to have church right now because his father said, I can't give you back what he stole from you. I can't take back that time. I can't take back the fact that that person touched you. I can't take back all the stuff that happened in your past. But here's what I can bless you with. When you decide, okay, some of y'all just missed it. Let me go over here. When you decide to break free from what they did for you, it's your choice. When you learn how to forgive, you can be free. And he says, here's an awkward blessing I can give you. I'm going to bless you with the gift of forgiveness. Doesn't mean you're going to get it back. Doesn't mean that they're going to pay. Maybe they got to pay their own consequences. That's between them and God. But can I just tell you something? Forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. He says, when you decide You can break free from all the stuff that has happened in your family that has hurt you, but you've got to make the choice. Okay, let me give you three things, then we'll roll out. Number one, I want you to notice that when when Isaac tells Esau, here's what I can do for you, he says, here's the only blessing that I can give you. So don't miss this. Number one, forgiveness is a gift. That's why Jesus died on the cross. You know the first words that he said on the cross? Father, forgive them. Because they don't even know what they're doing. There might be somebody in your family who did something to you, said something to you, stole from something from you that you don't even realize. They might not even known the amount of damage that they did to your soul, the amount of damage that they did to your heart. And can I just be honest with you? Somebody in your family is going to hurt you 10 days from now and two years from now. That's what happens when you're spinning plates. Something gets dropped and something gets broken. But when you decide to receive this gift called forgiveness, Isaac says, you'll be free. Forgiveness is a gift. It's what God gives us. You've heard me say this before. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. It is a gift that God gave us, and it is a gift that he gave you to be able to unlash yourself from the past pains and hurts that come from the deep wounds that can only come from family. Forgiveness is a gift. Here's the second thing I want you to remember. Forgiveness is is a decision. Can I just say this? Forgiveness, I'm going to free somebody, is not a feeling. You cannot wait till you feel like it. You know why? Because you ain't going to feel like it. Because it's, come on, I don't even think we understand that forgiveness is supernatural. Because you know what's natural? Natural is making people pay for what they did. I want you to pay. I need you to write that check. I need you to do some time. I need you to let me treat you like dirt so you can feel like, come on now, you know what I'm talking about, so you can feel like how you treated me. That's what's natural. Forgiveness is supernatural. But it is a decision. Did you notice what Isaac told Esau? He says, 
I can't give you what, what you lost. Your brother tricked you. He got you twice. It hurts, I know. But here's what I can help you with. I'm going to bless you with something that you're going to have to decide to use. And forgiveness is like a gift under the tree that many of us have not unwrapped yet. He says, when you decide, you can let it go. Forgiveness is a decision. Can I just say this again? Forgiveness benefits you. Here's the last thing. And then we'll, we'll be out because it's Family Sunday. We're going to get out of here quick. Here's the last thing. Forfeiting forgiveness is hard work. What are you saying? When you choose not to forgive, even from the deep wounds that can only come from family, when plates are spinning and stuff is getting broken, when your heart is broken, your soul is broken, some of you, you know what I'm talking about, your spirit has been broken and has come at the hands of family. But can I just tell you, for, for, for going or forfeiting forgiveness is hard work. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because he says, when you decide, did you catch what he says? You can break the yoke. Okay, some of y'all just missed it. You know what a yoke is, right? It's a thing that they would hook up to oxen. And, and, and Paul talks about this in the New Testament. He talks about don't be unequally yoked. Sometimes we say that's about marriage. And, and there's some relationship things of like that. But what he's saying is, is that when you get a yoke, what they would do is they would get the smaller, weaker ox and yoke it up with the bigger, stronger ox. And the bigger, stronger ox would drag around the younger, weaker ox until the younger, weaker ox got trained to move just like some of y'all just missed it. Some of us don't realize that when we are living in unforgiveness, we have got this weight around our neck that's dragging you every which way and it's taking you places that you don't even want to go. That's why your feelings are like this. That's why your emotions are like that. That's why you got to duck down the hallway when you see them. That's why you won't call them. They are controlling your emotions. And he says, but when you decide you can break off that thing that's been dragging you around for the rest of your life, taking you places that you don't even want to go. Is there anybody in here that's lived that life where you don't have to raise your hand where some, what somebody did, what somebody says, what somebody stole from you has been dragging you around to places that you don't even want to go mentally, places you don't want to go emotionally, places that you don't want to go financially. You are having mood swings and attitudes, and you can't even live your life. Come on now. He says when you decide, you can break free. You know why? If you don't do that, you will continue to be hooked up to a yoke, and whatever happened to you will drag you around for the rest of your life. And he says, that's hard work. It's hard work living in unforgiveness. It is hard work holding a grudge. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It is hard work living for revenge. It is hard work not being able to let something go. He says, it is so hard work, it's like a yoke. But you know what you can do? You can decide to let it go. And when you decide, he says, Here's the blessing. I can't give you what you lost, but I can bless you with a gift that you can decide to use that will set you free so that whatever happened to you no longer has the ability to take you places you don't even want to go. Here's what I want to do. Because I don't want, I don't want to put anybody on Front Street. Ban, y'all can come back. But I just want to spend a few moments... Just praying, because I'm willing to bet there's at least two or three. Maybe that message wasn't for you. If it wasn't for you in this season, file it away. Because family's a circus, plates are spinning, something's going to get dropped, and something's going to break your spirit. But I want to pray for you. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice, I'm not going to ask you to come up. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I just want to pray, because I, 
I feel like maybe there's somebody in here that that message meant something to you. That there's some stuff that you have yet to deal with. You haven't talked about it. Everybody's acting like it never happened. And God's giving you an opportunity this morning, once and for all, that when you get up and leave here after we take communion, you can walk out those doors without that yoke. And so I'm going to ask you to just pray with me. You don't have to move. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray over you that whatever it is that they did to you, that you decide today to leave it here. And when you walk out those doors, don't take that yoke with you. Why? Because there's some places that God wants to take you, but you can't go because the unforgiveness is dragging you in the opposite direction. Let's pray. God, we thank you for a gift called forgiveness. We thank you that your son Jesus' first words in his battered and bruised and bleeding body on the cross were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so, God, I'm praying that you would empower each one of us today to have the same spirit of Jesus, to tap into that gift of forgiveness. That wherever that family member is, a co-worker, a church member, whoever it is that hurt us, whoever dropped the plates and broke them, whoever was juggling our lives and dropped us, whoever hurt us, whoever did harm to us, whoever touched us inappropriately, whoever did something in our past that we're ashamed to talk about, God, help us today to let go of that yoke and to walk out of this place totally free by uttering these words, Father, forgive them because they didn't know what they were doing. God, I pray for freedom in this place, that whoever has been bound by a yoke that's been dragging them ways that you didn't intend their life to go, that you would help them to tap into this forgiveness, to say to this mountain, move so that the yoke can be broken, so that they can stop living in unforgiveness, so they can stop working so hard trying to get someplace that they don't even realize unforgiveness is keeping them from going. And so, God, I pray right now the same blessing that Isaac gave to Esau. When you decide to break free, you'll be able to let it go and walk in freedom. God, we thank you for your forgiveness, and we receive it right now. In Jesus' name, amen.